Video. You know you need it. You know it's all but expected from Gen Z at this point. But you've got no time and little budget, and your Marcom department is two months late on those new program brochures they promised. So asking them to help with a video? Forget it. But what if video could be as simple as sending an email to a prospective student? Meet GoodKind, a video engagement platform designed to make each one of your prospects feel like they're getting the extra special treatment. As an enrollment manager, you're competing for attention. And in a sea full of static, boring HTML emails from other schools, a personal video is how you stand out and drive action. With GoodKind, you can bring your university, faculty, and students to life by designing an engaging, hyper-personalized, and video-first communications journey. Increase applications, increase yield, and decrease melt with the power of GoodKind. Visit wearegoodkind.com forward slash enrollify to book a demo and see just how powerful video marketing can be show your face show you care see the difference connection makes at wearegoodkind.com forward slash enrollify i think about marketing and communications as kind of this i think about it like recycling and Everybody loves recycling. They say it's a really good thing. Everybody should do it. Everybody says the same thing about marketing. But then when recycling gets difficult and people, you have to sort the plastics from the glass and you have to rinse the glass out and you have to check the number of the plastic and you have to sort the paper, like people just give up and throw it all in the trash. And I think marketing is the same way in the sense that people are on board with it when we make it easy for them. And so that's part of what I want our team to really be doing is being that resource that makes it easy for people to come to the table and have a conversation with us and work with us to do great things. All right, Carrie, good morning. Although I guess it's afternoon over here. It's still, it's still morning where you are. Yes, yes. Well, it's, uh, it's really good to meet you. For our listeners, I was just apologizing to Carrie because I've had to move this interview like three times and it's been really annoying and she's, you've been like incredibly patient. So uh, thanks, Carrie. I'm, I'm really glad we're finally getting some time to talk. Absolutely. It's going to be well worth the conversation. I'm really excited about what all we're talking about today and really excited for the opportunity to be here. So thanks for having me. Of course, of course. It's a it's a it's a real privilege. So I I always like to start with uh, start these conversations with some sort of just general question to help our listeners get a better sense of, yeah. kind of who you are and, and, and how you think. And so uh, I was scrolling through my, you know, my go-to list, um, and I I picked out a question for you that I'm excited about, which is which is what's something that you've that you've recently changed your mind about? This could be something really silly, like you know, I used to really love uh, peanut butter, and now I think it's the most disgusting thing, or you know, it could be something a little bit more serious. Um, so, as you, what's something that you've recently changed your mind about? Okay, so I actually have two, and okay. I went with one that's maybe that a little bit more serious and one that's a little bit more silly and fun. So I am from Arkansas, and so we have great um, natural resources and great outdoors here, and I spent my entire life up until about a year and a half ago, um, anytime we would go out on a boat, I was not getting in the water. Okay. Um, and about a year and a half ago, I changed that. And last weekend, for example, we went out on the boat for the holiday weekend and I had the greatest time, got in the water, swam, we went tubing and I missed that for 30 plus years of my life. Wow. So that's something I've recently changed my mind about and gotten on board with and so glad I did. Wow. Wow. And were you, was it like a, a, a fear of swimming or like, was it just cold no, temperature just, thing or you just wasn't your thing? I just don't think it was my thing. There was just something about like, there might be a, a critter in the water or something. <laughs> I don't just feel like I just wasn't going to engage in that. And then I was like, I'm missing all this fun. Um, and so I'm so glad I, I, you know, got creative there and just went for it because I've absolutely loved it. That's a good um, one. That's a good one. 
Yeah. And then I would say the thing that from a more serious perspective, and I don't know that it's I've necessarily changed my mind, but I've been working on my doctorate for about four years. Um, And so you get into this whole thing of you only read what's relevant to your study Mm. and you're looking at your study and that's all you think about. Um, And so I think the thing that I have kind of changed my mind about or or maybe gotten to do a little bit more of is getting to read other things, Mm. Um, you know. I've been reading um, one of the the book that inspired Hamilton. I've been reading things like The Chronicle and Inside Higher Ed and tons of blogs and podcasts and all these great, you know, things of reading and listening that I never had time to do. Oh, I like that. I like that. That's great. Wow. Two, two fantastic answers to that question. Yay. Off to a good start. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, it, definitely. It's always good to start on a, on a high note. So you're the chief communications and marketing officer at University of Arkansas. And that's a, a beautiful, like awesome, epic title. But if you're, if a 10 year old niece or nephew or uh, a cousin, somebody in, in your family were to, to come up to you and say, Carrie, okay, well, what does this actually mean? Right? Like, like, what do you actually do all day? How would you, how would you sort of describe your role in your day to day to this, to this family member? Great question. So I would say, you know, as the chief communications and marketing officer at UA Little Rock, every day is a little bit different. So, um, you know, some days I'm running around, some days I'm in my office. But the one thing that I'm trying to do in everything is get people really excited Hmm. about UA Little Rock, get students excited, get faculty members excited. And I do that by telling all the great stories that are happening on campus with the idea that prospective students maybe see themselves here, Hmm. but also our alumni and our donors see the great work we're doing and want to support us. Oh, that's, uh, that's, that's great. I think you're ready to go on Shark Tank. Um, (laughs) That was a great pitch. That was a great pitch. Uh, So we, I'm excited to talk to you today because we're going to talk about a lot of different things. And um, we, we recently connected on, on LinkedIn, I think right as you got this, this new job, because you're, you're relatively new in the role. Is that correct? Yes, I've been here about two and a half months. Okay, two and a half months. Great. So still in the honeymoon phase, I, I would imagine. Yes. <laughs> um, and, I, you know, I want to talk to you a little bit about defining the role of, of the marketing office in, in higher education, what that looks like. Again, that looks so different depending on an institutional context, but some things that you've learned about like what works and what doesn't work there. I just want to talk about the impending enrollment cliff. I know this is something that you're you're passionate about and you've got a lot of thoughts and ideas on and specifically like the role that marketing can can play to to help with these um, with these realities. Um, but I, I want to start our conversation with you sharing a little bit about your your dissertation. Uh, so so you know what did you study? What were you looking into and 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 really what inspired you to do so? So I looked at how regional public universities in the Southeast United States might be able to utilize marketing strategies and tactics to help mitigate the enrollment cliff. And so where that really came from for me is at a previous institution, we had a reorganization of the MARCOM office and our responsibility. And overnight, I went from just doing marketing and communications efforts at kind of this 30 to 60,000 level to also being in charge of all the undergraduate and graduate recruitment efforts and all of that information. And that happened literally overnight. And so I quickly realized I didn't know what I didn't know. And so I started trying to learn and figure out, you know, what are things that are important in the admissions world? What are the various funnels and what does all of this, how does it work? late? How does MarTech come into this? And I quickly figured out I was lost. Hmm. And so I started doing a lot of reading and a lot of researching. And I was at an enrollment management conference. And one of the presenters talked about the enrollment cliff. Hmm. And it stopped me dead in my tracks because here I am doing marketing and communications for an entire university and working specifically with admissions and recruitment materials. And I'd never heard about this. Wow. And I realized very quickly I wasn't the only one that didn't know about it. And I was fascinated by it and started thinking, you know, marketing maybe could help with this. We should be talking more about this and how we play into it. And so as I started thinking about projects and possible dissertation topics, this is one that I just kept coming back to and back to um, because I don't know that enough people are talking about it or if they are talking about it, they have a plan of how they're going to to mitigate it or try to work 
toward lessening that impact. And so I thought it was a great topic to see what what might be able to be done. Yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, it, it's an important topic. I feel like anytime that I hear it discussed, it's almost like, yep, this is just this is just going to happen, and and we're gonna have to deal with it when it does. Like I feel like that's the the overwhelming narrative. There is like it's either gonna be doomsday or you know, we're just going to figure it out when, when it comes and or both. Right. And so, uh, I, I love the fact that you were inspired to, to maybe think a little bit more proactively. And I, I believe like 2026 is like the year that people like throw out a lot is like, that's when all hell is going to break loose. Right. Um, so, so what, what, what did you learn? Like as you started unpacking, uh, unpacking this like very big, very important, maybe, maybe the most important question that higher education is wrestling with today. Like, what did you learn? And, and and how did you sort of approach the the gathering of your insights? Absolutely. So I think that's a great question. And I want to start with, it's a complicated topic because there are so many nuances and pieces that come into it. But as I kind of started, I, I felt like I needed to start with looking at the role of the marketing office. Where is it? Where has it been? Um, and one of the things that I really found there is there's been a lot more that's asked of marketing teams than there has been previously. Um, that's not a bad thing. That's just a different thing. But I think that's important because if we're do if marketing is going to play a role in this, that has, you know, we're seeing this professionalization and this formalization of how marketing comes into the higher education institutional landscape. Um, and then once I kind of looked at that, I then went one layer deeper and looked at the landscape of higher ed. So the context in which we're facing and you see, you know, a lot of the same challenges that we've been talking about um, across the institutions before of, you know, public perception of higher education is in question. We're going to have fewer students, demographic changes, um, rising costs, all of those kinds of things. And then I started saying, OK, well, if we have more is asked of marketing and we have these kind of challenges. What are the opportunities? And I yeah. think that's where the study really got exciting for me because, you know, we started seeing a huge focus of marketers are doing more and more in the retention side of the house, because if we have fewer students, keeping our current students is going to be much more important. And so how can marketing help in that role? Hmm. Uh, you know, we're seeing marketing get a seat at the table for leadership decisions, and that's really important in terms of funding, but it's also in term, important in terms of product and what it is that we as an institution are offering. Because I think so many times we may have market data or we may have website data that gives really good context about the types of programming that we're doing. Um, and it's also important to have marketing at the table because we're not going to be able to con continue to be all things to all people. It's going to be important that we see a lot of niching. We're going to start to see, you know, what is that differentiation point? And so I think marketing has a really important ability to help universities kind of bring people together as that change agent and say, how can we hone into who we are and who we and the things we do really well and just be good at those um, and then I also think it, we saw a lot from marketing about the importance of branding and knowing who we are as an institution and being able to be comfortable with these are the the core principles of our institution and everything we do has got to tie back to that. Yeah. Oh, gosh, there's there's so much gold there. Um, I, I actually want to go back and, and, and yeah. talk a little bit about the the retention component that you highlighted, because it, it's funny, I, I was talking to some folks um, I don't know, it might have been on Twitter, um, a couple, uh, even just a few weeks ago about this idea. And, and really it was like me posing a couple questions because from a, from a, even just from a business standpoint, right. Retaining your top talent, your, your top team members, yeah. right. Has never been harder and, and more important, especially over the last couple of years, maybe, you know, because of unfortunately the way things are, the, the way things are trending, at least with our economy, maybe, maybe this will slow down and be less of an issue, but it's really hard for companies, let alone yeah. small companies, even large companies, to to retain top talent, right? right. Um, and we, we were sort of unpacking this this notion that part of marketing's job within the context of an organization, especially larger organizations, is going to simply be how do we keep our people? Like, what what is like a retention marketer look like, right? Where where they're really focused on internal drumming up internal exciting happenings yeah. resources helping helping sort of like pitch the why behind staying at at the organization 
as opposed to the why behind you should join the organization, right? And so I love that you mentioned that in the context of higher ed, because I because I do think, right, like let alone higher ed faculty and or faculty is less of an issue, higher, let alone you know higher ed staff, but students, right? right. There 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 are roles for marketers to play in fully focusing on crafting and and molding and augmenting a student experience so that people stay there all four years and and then come back for grad school right so i i love that you that you brought that up because i i don't think that that's there's not enough conversation happening around that component and and really sort of the role that marketing plays there i absolutely agree and i think that's going to be one of the areas that we start to see marketing have more of of a leadership role in because that retention piece is going to become more important than it already is. You know, A, I would suspect that most universities have a brand pillar or a brand message that says something about caring for the entire student or the whole student. Um, You know, we care about our students. And so one way that I think we show that is through focusing on retention and helping make sure that students have the things they need. And where I think marketing comes into play in that a lot is because we do work with so many people on campus. uh, We can a little bit be when, when the organization is maybe siloed, we can be that person that can bring people together and serve as that collaborative change agent so that we're enhancing the experience that the student has, you know, are there ways that we see that, hey, we can get these two offices to work together on a process that at the end makes it better for the student. And so I think some of those kinds of things are also going to be ways that marketing can help with retention. Yeah, we've, um, uh, I'm not sure if you're you're familiar with this or not, but we, at, at Enrolled High, we produced this master course with uh, Terry Flannery on how to mm-hmm. market university based off of her book. And we got the opportunity to talk to a lot of, uh, a lot of different CMOs as, as part of the, the creation process for this course. And it was funny that I think the common thread between kind of uh, high performing, like great, uh, great higher ed CMOs tends to be this like connector ability that you're getting at here of like, how do you build connections between various departments, various entities, various leaders on campus? And it seems that where marketing is going well or where there's like a, a really good relationship between the higher ed CMO and their respective teams and their respective colleges and university presidents are the folks that like take that connection component seriously and realize like silos aren't going to break themselves. Like it, it, like it or not, it's, it's marketing's job to, to be this point of connection. You're absolutely right. And I think for some reason, we've always been a little bit timid sometimes as a group to feel like we're empowered to do that work. And I think that's one of the things when we talk about marketing is becoming a more and more recognized profession within higher education is that there is this now this ownership of, hey, we can do this work and we're poised really well to do it and yeah. we should confidently take that role. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so well said. So you're a new higher ed CMO and you are not just a new higher ed CMO, you're a new higher ed CMO at a new campus, on a new campus. Yes. What, what are some things that like you're focused on right now? Like as you're, you seem, again, you're still kind of in the honeymoon phase here, uh, yeah. hopefully, and hopefully that lasts. Um, but like what, as, as, a, as a new leader at a new, in a new institution, like how, how are you, like what are, what are things that are just like top of mind that you're focused on right now? Great question. So um, naturally still doing a lot of learning and listening. I, you know, still trying to learn my way around campus, getting to meet people, but as I'm working on things, I'm trying to keep kind of three core tenets or principles in my mind. And one is that making sure that we're helping the campus community. You know, we need to be out there being a resource, uh, building relationships with Mm. departments, building relationships with deans. Um, You know, we're going to be launching this fall some lunch and learns to help empower our campus community. Um, things like, you know, how might you take great photos on your iPhone that you can use on your social, you know, things that we do all day, every day, but not everybody has that training. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think about marketing and communications as kind of this, I think about it like recycling and everybody loves recycling. They say it's a really good thing. Everybody should do it. Everybody says the same thing about marketing. But then when recycling gets difficult and people, you have to sort the plastics from the glass and you have to rinse the glass out and you have to check the number of the plastic and you have to sort the paper, like people just give up and throw it all in the trash. 
And I think marketing is the same way in the sense that people are on board with it when we make it easy for them. And so that's part of what I want our team to really be doing is being that resource that makes it easy for people to come to the table and have a conversation with us and work with us to do great things. So I think that's one thing is trying to be that campus resource. I would say really trying to build more internal collaboration within our department. We've got a great team and trying to make sure that everybody is really working together um, so that we can be more efficient, but so that we can take the great work that we're doing and make sure that we're able to repurpose content and repurpose ideas so that we're not reinventing the wheel. Yeah. Uh, And then I think my third thing is really honing in on our strategy and taking a core look at the strategy that we have for marketing and for comms and making sure that everything um, that we do ties back to that. If it doesn't meet that, this is supporting our strategy test. We've got to take a hard look of, is this the right use of our time? You know, I think marketers are inadvertently want to be people pleasers. And so sometimes we um, have some scope creep issues where we get over time doing a bunch of things that may or may not be helpful. And so how can we take a look at some of those things that have just kind of ended up on our plate over time and say, okay, is this really the best use of our time to help fulfill our mission and our strategy? Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Corinne Myers, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify Podcast Network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcasts.enrollify.org. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to unpack that a little bit more too, because I do think that that's something that a lot of people struggle with is, right? Like marketing uh, is is not just a production shop, which is, you know, historically how it's been seen within the context of a higher education institution. And again, you know, it's even just as as Terry sort of unpacks in, in her book and as she's and many others have have discussed like you know uh, marketing e- even a, a contemporary under understanding of it within the context of higher education is still fairly new like it hasn't been around for you know 50 plus years it's been around for a couple of decades and even within that period of time the right. understanding of its of its importance has dramatically evolved um still some work to be done but you know people people understand that you you have to market in the context of higher education today. That wasn't necessarily like a, a, you know, table stakes kind of agreement that folks had even a decade ago. So as you have thought about finding ways to help your team prioritize or, or, or to sort of like discern what should marketing be doing and what should marketing not be doing, how are you, how are you trying to make those decisions? That's a really good question. So, you know, and it's a difficult path to walk because marketing in a lot of ways has to serve the entire community and the entire campus. And so there's this service aspect, but there's also this really important aspect that we're experts. We know what we're doing. We're trained in this. We've done our research. We've done our homework. And so that sometimes is a very difficult line uh, to to navigate. And that's part of what I'm trying to help our team do. And one of the ways I do that is, okay, what is our strategic plan? What are our goals? We have our, you know, our brand message pillars that everything maps back to and just really reiterating, okay, what are the the activities that take up your day that don't relate to that? Hmm. And we're talking about those things and saying, okay, how does this tell any of these stories? Does it? Okay. Yes. Great. Keep doing that. If not, let's revisit that. And so, you know, from a writing perspective, that might be we're templatizing some things and being able to give other people that we're building collaboration with campus and training them to take some of that content ownership back. So it's almost a little bit right now we're in the phase of it's taking on more so that we can then be able to give some of that to other folks and empower them to help tell their story. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I I feel like the, the best teams to figure out okay, what, what are the things that need our judge, jury, and executioner, right? Like, and, and focus versus what are the things where we can 
standardize something. We can empower you with the creative. We can empower you with almost like the menu, like like the step-by-step guide, but it's up to you to kind of create the report or it's up to you to then take this and, and make it your own within a context that makes sense for your respective school or program or, or core area of expertise, uh, you know, wh- whatever that might be. Absolutely. But I, and you know, the other piece that comes into that is the relationship and that's where that gets very difficult is to be able to say, Hey, you're doing great work. You know, we're all busy. Yeah, I don't think yeah. anybody in higher education would tell you they're not. And so it's building that relationship with those campus entities and those campus groups to help them understand that making time for this is a priority for them, but also making sure that we're giving them as many of the tools and, and things that they need to minimize the impact that we're asking of them as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to I want to go back to your your research a little bit, and and also just kind of like yeah. what you've what you've learned um, uh, since since being in this role and only for a few months, specifically around like how marketing can help mitigate some of the the realities that are likely to unfold because of the enrollment cliff. What what are what are some of the things that you uncovered in your research, and or just things that you were thinking about and working through? To, to help, quite frankly, the admissions team, to help enrollment management, to, to think a little bit more at, at the institutional level about the role that marketing should play in in helping um, increase enrollment. In We talked a little bit about like the retention component already, but specifically right. as it pertains to attracting new students, new learners to your institution, how are you thinking through the role that marketing plays there? Great question. So I think the marketing role has to be a consultative role that's part of the entire conversation, because I think where marketing can be helpful is as we're looking at new audiences, you know, that's one of the findings is that we're going to have fewer traditional first-time, full-time freshmen coming in. We know that the data tells us that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if we're going to look at other new audiences, great. Let's start doing that work now. But it's not just saying, hey, we're going to go recruit X population. It's, okay, well, what things tie into that entire population? So we have to start thinking about the enrollment steps. Are there going to be additional support functions? How do we tie in student success? You know, if it's a, a group that has a little bit different eating preferences? How do we make sure that we've got things in the cafeteria, that our community is embracing that group? And so, you know, I think that's where marketing can really do a great job of saying, hey, this is much more than just the surface level. We're going to put some ads up and go find a new audience, but let's make sure our processes and the experience that we're bringing is going to match what we're selling. Yeah. And, and what's, what's so interesting about that is marketers do have like the best marketers have a really good understanding of the product that they are marketing. Right. And so like if, if marketers don't have the insight into the full student experience, if they aren't able to understand how the decisions about what appears in the cafeteria and what doesn't are, are made, it is going to be very difficult for them to accurately represent the, the experience that they're trying to sell to prospects. So that's a, that's a super keen insight. Absolutely. And I think it, you know, I think it's one of those things that marketers want to do a great job and we want to make sure that we are delivering an authentic perspective of what our campus is going to be like. And so I think it's going to be important that anytime we're doing anything kind of looking at a new audience or a new group that we pause and make sure we've got some of those underlying things in place so that that group is successful. Because again, it goes back to if our brand pillar is to support the entire student and that whole student and make sure they're successful. If we're not doing that baseline work before we start our marketing effort, we're not living up to what we say our brand is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so well said. In the spirit of like being really intentional about where your time and energy goes. I'm curious about your thoughts on from specifically from like a channel and tactical standpoint, like where do you, where do you see higher ed? And I'm sure this varies dramatically depending on the institution, but like where do you see higher ed spending way too much time and, and way too much attention? And then where, where is higher ed probably not spending enough time as it comes to, as it pertains to marketing channels or specific marketing strategies and tactics? So I would say we're spending not enough time on storytelling. Mm. Uh, You know, I think 
storytelling has to be so intentional and different stories are going to resonate on different platforms. Not every type of story is going to be the right fit for your institution. And so I think sometimes we get so busy trying to get content out the door that we, you know, go back to the same source and just kind of get this who, what, when, where, why, and how moment and miss the opportunity to really craft this intentional message that speaks to our brand and the life-changing opportunities that we offer. And so I think higher ed is an as an entity has got to do a better job of that and do a better job of saying, okay, I'm going to reframe this piece that I used in this platform and change it a little bit so that it better resonates with this other group. And so I don't know that we always do the best job of looking at that content and repurposing it and reusing it for a lot of different platforms. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a really good one. Yeah. I feel too, like one of the, one of the hard things about storytelling from a measurement standpoint, right. Is that, or, or I, it's, this goes beyond just storytelling. One of the hard things about marketing is like the best marketers want to be able to measure their impact, right? Like they want to yeah. understand like how did this thing perform? And while measurement is is remarkably important, there's also sort of a fine line between going overboard for only doing things the way that you think that yeah. you can measure them versus creating a piece of content that in and of itself is so powerful and even if you right. can't dot every I and cross every T with respect to its correlation to new butts and seats, right, or, or, or new uh, inquiries, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's therefore not, you know, not not worth doing. Now, again, I, I think higher ed needs to do a lot more work, especially, uh, you know, marketers in higher ed do, need to do the work of finding ways to measure and, and, me and report on impact. But at the same time, I, I see some folks out there that, compromise the storytelling for the right. sake of the measurement. And I think that that is a very, very dangerous territory to, to be entering into. Absolutely. I think it's got to be a balance of both. And that's difficult to navigate. Um, I would say, though, on things we spend too much time on, yeah. I, I tend to kind of think it's the little stuff. Hmm. You know, there's so much, I call it tyranny of the urgent of, you know, this thing <laughs> oh, comes good. over the comes over the fence and it's on fire and we've got to help somebody do this thing by this date or, you know, something major bad is going to happen. And I think one of my dissertation participants said it really well, that it's very hard to be strategic when you're constantly batter, battling fires of people coming at you needing things. Yeah, um, yeah. And those random things can get in the way, unfortunately, sometimes of the strategic planning and the strategic visioning and this intentionality that marketing and comms really should have. And so I think we've got to find better ways to be helpful to people so that they have the things they need, but yet we can't just always get in this reactive space of just responding to people's needs that we're not out strategically driving the message. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's, that's, yeah, that is so well said too. And, and I, I think part of that is when there is real institutional buy-in and understanding of the strategic marketing plan, I think hopefully, right, th those requests, um, they, they will always still come. But hopefully there's more there's more of an understanding of why the request is being denied and or reprioritized. Yeah. I think the hardest thing to do is, as you were just ch chatting about earlier, is making the marketing strategy understandable and relatable and exciting to everybody on campus. Because then if they understand, like most people today do understand that resources are limited. There's only right. so much time in a day. I think where folks run into issue is if the strategic marketing plan has not been effectively communicated in a way that makes sense to individual constituencies, right, within yeah. within the institution, that's where you run into trouble. If there is good understanding, then I, you know, in, in, in my office over here understands why I'm not going to get new brochures until, you know, three months from now or, you know, r rather than next week. Um, but, I, but I think that that, I think that the best marketers are the ones that are able to effectively communicate that mission and vision and then show how everyone's connected to that. Absolutely. And I, again, I've said it already in our conversation, but it goes back to that relationship piece, because if we're not as a marketing and comms team out talking to people and explaining the work that we're doing and how it all intentionally fits together, and we're not building those campus relationships, we don't have the trust from people and rightfully so that we are thinking about the entire institution because people, if they don't hear what you're doing, they inadvertently assume you're doing nothing. 
So, Carrie, I, I want to get your your thoughts on the marketing skill sets that you think the the best hired marketing teams will will need to have, or, or at least need to have access to in in the next two to three years. Like, as you think about the roles and responsibilities and, and skill sets of, of your team and, and, you know, gaps that need to be filled and also just sort of, you know, the, what the, what the future of um, what it means to be a marketer will demand. Uh, how, how are you wrestling with this and, and what are those skill sets and, and needs as far as you're concerned? Great, great question. So I think we're always going to need those writers, those designers, you know, those people that are crafting content. But as I've tried to think about kind of things that expand above that, I kind of come back to three things. I think one, we've got to have people with data skills. You know, MarTech and this whole is a huge part of this industry. So we need to improve what we're doing in that work. You know, we need people who can look at what we're doing and offer internally ways that we can improve, Hmm. you know, that are looking at it from an efficacy perspective. Um, You know, if we talk about we're going to be doing, you know, more and more work with data-driven decisions, we need people on our own teams who can help us do that better as well. You know, and as we take on more the profession, you know, we're also going to have to give some things up. And if we've got people that can think about it from a data perspective, what are things that, you know, we're not seeing our internal ROI on, um, you know, if we're spending a ton of time on this thing and we're not getting any internal, is that the best use of our time? And so helping us make some of those decisions on the internal side, but then also being able to use that data to help us analyze what's happening in the industry, what's happening in the field and make suggestions to help our, the rest of our Marcom colleagues continue to improve and be more efficient. Yeah. Yeah. I also think we need those big picture kind of thinkers. You know, we've touched on that a little bit already, but those people that can see at that 60 or 80,000 foot view and can get the right people in the room to help break down those silos and get people across campus connected And then the people skills, you know, I don't think marketing is a field anymore that you sit in your office and you meet as your own little team and you just live in your own little bubble. You've got to be out there with your community. You've got to be out there with your campus community and really building relationships with people and getting people excited about the work that you're doing so that they want to help you tell your story. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so well said. And, and on a related note, like as, as you think about building your team, scaling your team, the, the initial, uh, over, over the next couple of years, the things that you all are, are focused on and, and tackling, how, how do you think about what to bring in house slash what to keep in house versus, versus what to outsource? Cause I think that that's, it's one of the hardest thing in, you know, things mm-hmm. for institutions to, to discern is like, what are, what are the right skills and tactics to keep in house? And, 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 you know, there's, there's the obvious answer, which is like, well, if you have two people and you need to do the work of 20 people, you're going to need, you know, support from an outside partner. But beyond just being strapped for, for time from a skill set perspective, are there things that you believe should, should always be, you know, are always better done uh, from, from an agency partner versus someone in house? Or how, how do you think through those decisions? Yeah. So being having been in a couple of institutions now, I really think it goes down to the institution and the culture and the needs of what you have. Um, so right now, for example, I work at an institution that needs and benefits from a really strong relationship with our community. Mm. And so that is so important as a major economic development driver in our community that we are building those industry partnerships and having those crosswalk connections. And so we work with an agency that helps us do a lot of that work, and they do that incredibly, um, incredibly well. And so that's a perfect example of we Um, that's a cultural piece that we need. Not everybody is going to have that exact need. Um, You know, sometimes it's you've got somebody that's a a dynamo in a certain skill set. And so it may be that that skill set stays in house, but then down the road, if that person leaves, you might look at, at bringing that as something outside. I think it really has to be an individualized approach. I think the things that Internal groups know really well as they know the campus and they know the community. And so if you're taking some of those things out, it's making sure that if you if you do outsource some of that work, that you outsource it with somebody who gets your campus and gets your community. Um, And it's just got to be an honest conversation between your team and the agency or agencies that you're working with to make sure that the culture fit is there and to make sure that there's this regular back and forth cadence of communication so that things still feel like they meet the university 
somebody's messaging and brand, even if it's somebody outside who's helping with the work. Yeah, yeah. As you as you think about, you you mentioned earlier the importance of being this connector and breaking down silos and like how do you how do you see that practically happening, or how should that be happening? Um, especially as it pertains to marketing's relationship with like admissions and advancement. Like how how do you think about those relationships? and ensuring that they, you know, there's some regular cadence of communication. And I guess maybe a better way of phrasing this question is, like, what is a really strong example of how these very important strategic functions of the institution should, should be relating with one another? Great question. So at my prior institution, I had kind of our two main groups that we worked with, we worked with admissions and we worked with advancement. And we had a regular weekly cadence with that group. And it was our leadership team and their leadership team. And we had an agenda that we sent out before the meeting. Um, everybody could compile their their notes and their ideas. And then afterwards, we had one person that sent out notes. Hmm. And that was something that it sounds so tactically easy, but I think it's one of the life changers of, the, of building that relationship because with one person sending out the agenda and then one person sending out the notes, there was a single source of truth. Mm. And so everybody had the exact same agenda. They had the exact same notes. And so they remembered what was talked about and it helped minimize multiple people coming into a meeting and hearing different versions of the same conversation. You know, there were several times in the notes that somebody would say, Oh, I didn't, I didn't understand that. Can we clarify that? And that's something so easy, but just how quickly could we get off topic? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I also think it was, it wasn't just myself as the the head of one group and the head of another, but it was both leadership teams. And I think that helped convey the importance of this for both groups. And it also set it up so that if one person happened to be out, the entire process didn't stop. Yeah. Everybody else was still part of the conversation and knew what was happening. So that I think is fundamentally how that worked. And it just started every, you know, every Thursday at two for years, I knew what my day was going to be. And every Tuesday at one, I knew what my day was going to be. And that was so important because we had this regular cadence that over time built trust and collaboration. Um, You know, something else that I did to really help build collaboration, I started hearing from some of the campus partners at the other institution that they didn't feel like we were doing enough to support their programs. Mm. Uh, And it, I think it was fair feedback because I wasn't doing a great job at telling them everything that was happening. So I started every Friday afternoon sending the deans an update. So I emailed every dean on our campus of here are the things that we've done this week. Here's the marketing messages that related. Here are commercials that your students were in. Here are some web analytics on traffic that you're sending. You know, and every every Friday afternoon I had an email that I sent to them. And within a semester, the message totally changed um, from. <laughs> We weren't doing anything to how great of work we were doing. The reality is we weren't doing really anything different. We were just doing a much better job of communicating. Uh So I think that's probably where marketing folks sometimes fail is that we get so busy trying to do all the work that we don't give people regular and frequent updates. And so again, if people aren't hearing what you're doing, they assume you're doing nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's a fantastic insight, Carrie. And I, I think just a good reminder to all of us too that it, you can kind of get in your lane and you can be doing so much. And the, yeah. the, the temptation is just to be like, well, trust me, like, trust us. Like we, we've got it. Like we're professionals. Like, and, and, you know, th- there's, there's a certain amount of that that might be true, but at the end of the day, yeah, if people aren't hearing about all the things or if they miss the social promo that went out or if they didn't see the TV spot or whatever, it is it yeah. is tempting. And let alone if they see a competitor's TV spot or right. social ad or whatever, right? And it's like, wow, like I can't believe we're not doing this. And it's like, no, no, we actually are. We're just smart and you're excluded from this criteria because we've blocked your IPs or whatever it is, right? Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a really, really good kind of uh, just tactical but – good reminder just about the importance of communicating the work that you and your team are doing. I, I'm curious in terms of like goal setting and, and ROI and whatnot, um, schools think about this in so many different ways. And I think that this yeah. is ever evolving, but in your, in your experience, how do you think about like marketing's goals and how do you think about sort of like the, how marketing should measure its, its impact and the return on, on marketing investment are they are they typically related to advancements goals and and admissions goals or like I guess how how do you think even if this hasn't been your reality how do you think 
these um, these these goals and and this accountability should should be measured and 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 should be reported on. Great question. So it's a little bit of a split for me because one of the findings in my dissertation as well is how important branding is Mm. and that branding work is long-term. It's much harder to track, but it is so critically important. Um, You know, if we're thinking about a typical class and we want to go from unaware to getting a student to um, enroll and matriculate, that's a really tight cycle if they're not already aware of us. Sure, and so sure. that's where this continual branding piece comes in. That same continual branding is so important for advancement and the work that we're doing in terms of fundraising. And so I think it's important that we not get short-sighted of this ROI side, hmm. that we lose that branding element. And so that's one of the things that I think is so important is that that has to be an undertone to the work that we're doing is continually staying out there around brand. But we also have to be supporting our admissions folks, our recruitment folks, and we've got to be supporting our advancement work. And that work's got to be a little more ROI driven. Mm -hmm. So I think it's definitely going to have to be split. And that's where I kind of like to see that is that we always have this brand underpin that's going to support back and tie back to everything we do. And we're scaffolding from that to kind of hit at these special audiences, you know, one audience might be some key decision makers and key influencers, or it may be, you know, this targeted group of students that we're going after at a graduate level or a specific student that we're retargeting from an undergraduate level. Those are much more easier to gauge that ROI on if we've got the brand awareness work continuing to happen. And that piece is a really hard sell sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I love that you brought that up too, because I do think again, brand impact over a longer period of time is is hard to measure. It's, it's, it's one of those things that I feel like, you know, when you feel it, right? But it's yeah. but it's also very, it's very hard. It's very hard to prove and to, and to correlate. And, and you know, it, I, I do feel like with technology and whatnot, it's getting a little bit easier with things like recall metrics and the ability to understand an increase in branded search, right? Uh, around a dedicated period of time and whatnot. But but I do think, yeah, finding, I, I feel like the future of the best marketing departments will look like clear marketing goals, but then also very clear in, you know, marketing plus admissions, marketing plus advancement yep. goals. And that way, those independent shops also understand, hey, in any given year, we're hoping to be able to attribute X percent of new students or X percent of growth and average gift for, right. for alum to marketing's efforts. And I feel like some of the, some of the, worse uh, environments right are when marketing and admissions and or marketing and advancement don't play nice because they don't understand each other's work or they don't understand what you're really supposed to be doing and i I, i'm i'm so like excited by what i'm hearing in the industry of more and more folks getting really collaborative like linking arm in arm and saying okay what are your goals admissions what standards are you being held accountable to Let's take 30% of that burden off of you and like, let's hold our, you know, us accountable to that too. And I feel like that's where, that's where efficiencies for the institution are going to be garnered. And it's also just where at the end of the day, you're going to be able to deliver a better, more consistent experience for, for prospective students, let alone, you know, current students and, and let alone alum. Absolutely. You know, a couple of years ago at a prior institution, we had some spring dollars set aside you know, to do um, some higher funnel work. And because we had this regular ongoing collaboration with admissions, they said, you know, we're good in that spot. Normally we need that, but that's not this year where we need some support. Hmm. You know, we're, our trends are showing us we need a little bit more help in a little bit further down the funnel in this next phase. Can you take, can you help us there? And so we huh. were able to repurpose midstream some of those dollars. So we were able to be flexible enough to change kind of our advertising message and our advertising cadence to help support what their data was seeing. Yeah. But again, it's that intentionality and that working together that we're on the same team and we're all have the same goal at the end of the day. Um, And I don't think we would have been able to have moved that quickly and that flexibly had we not already established that that was a really important relationship for us on campus. Yeah. That's a, that's a beautiful example. Um, My, my, my final question for you, Carrie, I feel like we could talk about so many different things and this is this, you're just going to have to come back on because I have so many other questions for you for now. uh, My final question is 
What are some of the marketing and or consumer behavior trends that that you think will have the greatest impact on on higher ed over the next few years? And and how do you think higher ed should should prepare for for these changes in in consumer preferences? I think one of the biggest is personalization. Um, People expect experiences to be catered to them. Hmm. Uh, Personalization makes you feel valued. It makes you feel important important, makes you feel like you're being listened to. And so I think we're going to see more and more of that. You know, we've already seen a little bit of that in print and, you know, now it's table stakes that a printed piece should have the student's name on it. But some of the work I was, I was doing at a prior institution is we were personalizing their financial aid piece with their individual financial aid data. Um, You know, in a view book, if they had told us they were interested in X college, they saw pictures that related to that college. Yeah. you know, the same thing, we can now start to see that same technology on the website, you know, making sure that we're serving reminders on the homepage of actions of where those students are, where those prospective and current students are. Um, and so I think that's going to be the expectation is that we use the data that the students are giving us and use it to help curate an experience that matches what they're looking for. And I think we can do the same thing with the advancement side of the house. You know, what's going to make a feel a donor feel so special is if they get that newsletter and instead of getting just this random list of stuff, it's telling them updates to the the causes that are, are near and dear to their hearts. And so I think those, I think the more and more creative ways we can use personalization, both in print and digital is, is going to be a huge driver for the industry. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I you know, higher ed's in it's like the top of its first inning in terms of adoption of personalization, yeah. just based off of what already exists, technically speaking, and what, what is, what is possible. Um, and so I, I think, yeah, the institutions, that find a way to harness that, given the limited resources that they have today, those are the institutions that are going to be a leg up once once everybody yeah. else gets gets their act together. So, I love the fact that that's where your brain is and and how you're thinking about all this stuff. Um, I just want to thank you, Carrie, for for your time and for for coming on the show. Best of luck as you as you continue to lead in this new capacity. I'm I'm really excited for you and I'm I'm looking forward to learning from you as you continue to grow in this role. Well, thank you so much. I've had the best time today and thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and look forward to continuing to stay connected. Wonderful. And for all you who are listening, if you want to connect with Carrie on LinkedIn, you can scroll down to the show notes and we'll drop her LinkedIn profile there. And if you've got any questions for her or want to just follow up with her, hopefully that's okay, Carrie. Perfect. Hey all Zach here from Enrollify. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Enrollify podcast. If you like this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below. Furthermore, if you've got just two minutes to spare, we would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and a review of this show on Apple Podcasts. Our podcast network is growing by the month and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. But Enrollify is far more than just a podcast network. Enrollify is where higher ed comes to learn new marketing skills, discover new products and services, and find their next job. We're a growing learning community of 4,000 members and we'd love to welcome you into the fold. You can access our free blog articles, newsletters, e-courses, and more, or purchase our master course on how to market a university with Terry Flannery at enrollify.org. We look forward to meeting you soon and welcoming you into the community. Again, you can subscribe for free at enrollify.org.